On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Trent Deersmid from Flowster App. Oh man, we had an awesome conversation. Trent is uh, a serial entrepreneur, actually was originally from uh, right around where I live, which is super cool. We talked all about Flowster and uh, all of the different things that Flowster does, the templates. Really, this is for your marketing team, uh, this podcast today. I mean, I think that if you're the CEO, you know, most likely you're probably involved in marketing in some sort of way. But really, this is uh, just an amazing episode to show what is actually possible, um, how you can really cut out a ton of hours for your marketing team. You guys are going to get tons out of this one. Hey, guys. Before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post-iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it, SMS marketing included. You'd see it constantly and so would we when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing. Brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month and that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence but now that the facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns where do we go retention but it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns which we've seen all the time it requires actually having a system that increases the ltv of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time and hopefully even considering a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS, and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins, all one word. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, understanding where and why I lose potential customers on my site is really difficult and using Google Analytics is not easy. I have to get my developers involved with coding events and I also struggle just to get clear-cut answers. There's endless piles of data. I find myself making assumptions on where and when the card abandoners occur, when they drop out. It's kind of a nightmare. Luckily, there's a better way of getting to the core of my results, Oribi. E-commerce owners who use Oribi have doubled their ROI and it's easy to understand why. Oribi makes building and analyzing funnels a walk in the park and you'll be able to see in seconds where the leaks in your visitor flow are. Oribi tells you which channels to focus your resources on, which areas of content have the most impact on your conversions, and how well your marketing campaigns are performing. And since Oribi automatically tracks all the events on your site completely code-free, you'll be independent of developers too, which is great. With Arebi's plain English insights, you'll know exactly what steps to take to increase your conversion rates. No more guesswork. So start your free trial at Oribi.io. That's O-R-I-B-I.io. And mention that Jordan West sent you. Also, use the code ecommerce20 for 20% off your first payment. Guys, you will not regret this. 
Hey guys, Jordan West back here with Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Uh, I am really looking forward to the interview today. Uh, it's been a 13-minute conversation before we even started, and so I know that this is going to be a wonderful interview, and I think you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this. I have with me here today Trent Deersmid, and I think I said it correctly. Uh, I, I practiced it in my head a few times. Welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Jordan, thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, much like you, I grew up in British Columbia, though I no longer live in the Fraser Valley. I'm now in the States now. And the super short version of my story is I started off as a sales guy, learned the ropes on how to you know bring the business in. I started my first business in 01. I sold that business in 2008 for uh, a small seven-figure sum, which was more money than I'd ever seen in my life before. And that was the moment when I was able to take a breather from having to have a paycheck all the time to like smell the roses for a little bit and figure out, okay, what's next? And for me, I sort of stumbled into the world of making money online. I met somebody else who was doing affiliate marketing. I didn't know what it was at the time. I started doing it. I actually started as an Amazon affiliate and it went quite well. I was making three, $4,000 a month back in 2009. That led to a blog and to a podcast. I've been podcasting now for 10 years. Bright Ideas was started. You're OG, an OG, OG podcaster. Yeah, like way back in the day. And unlike, you know, honestly, I didn't really know what I was doing with the podcast in the beginning. For years, it really didn't make any money. I was just you doing it to build an audience. And it's a great networking tool because I get to meet guys like you. And, and the relationships and the things I learned from my guests have basically taken me on this business safari or this business adventure, which in the last few years has been pretty nutso. So in, in 2016, I started an Amazon reseller business as a result of you know somebody I had on my show. And that business has been now ranked twice on the Inc. 5000. Uh, in 2019, we were number 254 with a three-year growth rate of uh, 1,700%. And the next- So how, is, how do you get onto that list? What does that look like? You just apply. Okay. And you just show them your numbers and, and totally. show them your growth rate. It's okay. just like like in, when I was on Canada, my, my business in Canada was on the Profit 100 fastest growing companies list for two years in a row because we applied. And that's the you should absolutely do that stuff because that's how you get attention. That's how you get funding. That's how you get acquired. That's what makes it easier to get customers because everybody wants to deal with a winner. So make yourself business look like a winner. So the, the thing that was really different about what I did with my Amazon business, I actually fired myself from the company after just 12 months and I stopped still own it and my wife and I don't work there and it's run by a small team and it still makes us pretty decent money. And the, my secret to that was that in the first year, I, I shut my podcast down, I didn't do anything, but I was like hyper-focused on laying the foundation for that business and then building my team. And so that meant writing standard operating procedures for literally everything that we did. And then when I put people on the bus, they had all these great procedures to follow and we were able to hire, we did hire some Americans, but we hired a lot of people from the Philippines. So my labor cost was also way, way, way lower. And so rather than being bogged down working 
in that business. As soon as I put those procedures in combination with the people, I was able to work on the business. And so after a year, I was kind of bored of it because it's a really repetitive business. And, and it, the cash flow is also really repetitive. I like that part, but I don't like the repetitive work part. <laughs> and I'm assuming um, this is like a single SKU or, or no, just we SKUs? have hundreds. It's a oh, retailer okay. business. We're not a private label brand. We didn't, I, I tried private label and I failed miserably. And so then reselling is just B2B sales. It's just business relationships. You'd identify a brand that has products and problems on Amazon and then you pitch them and you say, well, if you let us become a reseller or ideally your exclusive reseller, we'll fix all the problems at no cost to you. We'll make our money by selling the stuff. And what gotcha. I like so it's about- just a wholesale, a wholesale relationship, totally. essentially. Totally. What I like about that method of getting paid, because you could go and be like a, an Amazon marketing agency and you could pitch brands and say for, you know, uh, X percent per month retainer, I'll run your Amazon account. But here's the problem with that. Every month you're sending them an invoice. What do people do when you send them an invoice? They scrutinize it and they think, is, is this really worth it before they send yeah. the check that month? <laughs> yeah. Whereas in the reseller relationship, I don't send them an invoice. I send them a check. Do people mm-hmm. think about checks before they cash them? No, they just cash them. They're like, yeah, money. Yay. And they don't know. Everyone how loves the check. I'm, correct. They don't know how much I'm profit I'm making. They don't know how much work I did or didn't do that month. And, this, and the dirty little secret of Amazon is once the listings are well optimized and you got the ad campaigns working really well, there's not a lot to do yet yeah. the money keeps coming in so it's a it's a pretty sweet deal anyway after a year um, a guy that runs a conference got wind of the success that I'd had and I got invited to speak at the conference and and I did not have a software company at the time and I so I got up on stage I said hey I got nothing for sale here's you know, I'm just gonna fire hose you guys with info on how I did what I did and I did that and I talked about all these procedures that I wrote and stuff I said to you in the last three minutes only I took an hour to explain it and every hand in the room shot up and and people People, not every hand, but a lot of them shot up and they're like, I want to buy a copy of your procedures. I want those results. I want to be able to have the lifestyle that you have. I think your procedures are what I need. And and we sold millions of dollars worth of these things over the last couple of years. And that is why I now have Flowster because I had this huge aha moment of people actually want to buy, like people don't even want to talk about standard operating procedures. It's like the most boring topic in the world. And but people, <laughs> Until you have them and you realize the freedom that you oh, have totally. once you have SOPs. Totally. I have. <laughs> then they're the sexiest thing companies. in the world. <laughs> I own three companies, but I don't work more than like 45 hours a week. People can't understand how the hell do Now, I, if I owned one, yeah, I could probably do, there, there's a little dilution effect when you own three, but mine sort of kind of fit together together. But if without my procedures, oh my God, my life would be, I'd be working a hundred hours a week. I'd be a stress case. It'd kill me. So I had this big epiphany, like, wow, people are really willing to like pay for standard operating procedures. I'm going to make a software company and I'm going to make a, it's going to be for standard operating procedures and, and people can come and make their own or they can pay me for mine, or maybe I'll make some other ones and I'll give them away, or I'll form partnerships with other people and they can put their procedures on our software. And, and so all of that now is is what I'm working on. It's it's the it's a hundred percent of my focus for my podcast. I basically I just talk on the microphone and my team handles everything else. And for my Amazon business, I literally do nothing. So let's talk. So the people who listen to this podcast are generally kind of seven and eight figure e-com store owners for the most part off of Amazon. Let's talk about from your perspective with process management, where would be that first big win 
that you would tell people to go to. So let's say that they don't want to, you know, buy software, they want to create their own SOPs. Sure. What would be that first big win? So it depends on a couple of factors, where your business is in its life cycle and what you like doing and don't like doing. So let's just kind of narrow it down for the purposes of discussion. So let's sure, say sure. that somebody's at 3 million, they want to go to, you know, 8 or 10 million. So what I would say, if I was coaching them, and I, I don't do coaching, if I was having a conversation with them, I'd say, all right, so what are the activities that need to happen for you to go from three to 10? Well, you probably need more you need to launch more products and you probably need to do more ads and more content. Yeah. Well, all of those three things that we just talked about, there's a whole bunch of repetitive processes <laughs> buried <laughs> in and amongst all of those things. So let's yeah. talk about content because I have tons of experience at content. So you've, you're going to start pumping out content to drive traffic. Well, there's, you know, keyword research is a repetitive process. Writing blog posts is a repetitive process. Promoting blog posts is a repetitive process. Process building backlinks is a repetitive process. Like it never ends. The whole thing is just one big, chain of repetitive processes. Okay, so now which of those processes are what I call the 10 to $20 an hour process. In other words, mm. you could hire somebody who didn't have a ton of experience, but the process is linear enough. In other words, checkbox, 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 checkbox. And it doesn't require judgment that comes from years of experience in that particular industry to be able to successfully execute the process. Start there, document all of those things, and then start hiring either employees or virtual assistants. I've been using virtual virtual assistant for a decade now, and they're fantastic and they're so much less expensive. So I'm obviously a big proponent of that. And just start getting that stuff off your plate, push it, become like, I am a delegation-aholic. I delegate something like some CEOs and founders are control freaks. That's not mm -hmm. me. And they, <laughs> That's not me either. <laughs> they become slaves to their business because they don't think that anybody can do it as good as them. And, and while they might be factually correct, if they're doing everything themselves, they're the bottleneck and you know, you get where that goes you just totally you they're the block the to every single thing if they if they don't let other people make decisions correct yeah. whereas i'm okay with people making mistakes because i understand that the team is so important and the only way people learn anything is by making mistakes but if, if you give them a foundation of really great processes that you developed yourself or some or maybe at some point you have a coo and they're developing them they're going to make a lot less mistakes initially and so the mistakes are going to be really minimal but the freedom is going to be really amazing that brings Go me to, to another question about creating processes. Do you delegate that or is that one of those things that you own or potentially you have like a really high level COO that makes those processes? No, I delegate that too. So you the do? way that okay. I do that is because processes, they change constantly. You know, let's say you have a process and there's three different pieces of software that are involved in the process. So that means there's three different companies who are continually improving their product, changing their interface, like changes everywhere. So I'll hire, in this case, you know, like my executive assistant, uh, she's from Mexico, her name's Carla. So she's deeply involved in podcast production. Okay. Oversees all the VAs that help. She owns the whole process. So while I, I wrote the original podcast SOP, which maybe was, I don't know, 50 steps long, it's like 100 steps long now. Did I have a hand in adding those extra 50 steps? Not really. Like occasionally I might meet someone and get an idea and be like, hey man, we should do this and Carla will write it into the SOP. So no, if you do it properly and you have a culture that everything that you're going to do more than one time must have a process that's just baked into the DNA of your organization, your employees will realize the same benefits that you do 
they will be able to delegate parts of their job to virtual mm. assistants, which we absolutely encourage that they do. They will be able to spend more time working on their job as opposed to in their job. And the key to that is having them to understand that the, the SOP is like the cornerstone piece of content that allows everything else to become better. And then they, they have no problem in keeping them up to date. And if you put your SOPs in an application like Flowster where you just have to use it to do it as opposed to like, you know, you put it in a Word doc and just sit there and collect dust or you put it on a shelf, it sits there and collect dust. You you, mer you get the right application so you've got deadlines and task assignment and all the stuff that goes around the content. Yeah. It just happens. What's the difference between Flowster and something like Asana or Monday? So let's talk about Monday because a lot of people move off of Monday onto Flowster for process management. So there's a lot of project management software out there. And then there are process management software and they're very different. So, and people maybe who are thinking about this for the first time don't understand the distinction. So they go yeah. out and they, because Monday's got lots of EC backing, they run lots of ads and so forth and they go sign up. But the problem is any project management software is designed for projects, things that change a lot from time to time to time. Like when you're doing a, you're building a house for this person versus building a house for that person, there's the project is very, very different. Yeah. Whereas when I'm producing podcast episode number 360 versus 370, the only thing that changes is the guest. Yeah. Everything <laughs> else is exactly the same. If you were doing keyword research for article number one versus article number two, the only thing that changes is the topic. Everything gotcha. else is exactly the same. So if you don't have process management software, you're going to run into this issue. So let me explain this. And I call this the Flowster's magic button. This is the number one reason people come and use Flowster. So in Flowster, we have these two words. We have a template and we have a workflow. So a template, and we'll just, we'll stay on the podcast episode theme. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Understand. And you run one, so it'll make sense for you. So you have this, we have this one template for, the, for a podcast production. And it's, I don't know, like 110 steps long for us. It's everything from booking the pre-interview, all the way to it's live, it's been promoted on social media, like you're done. So, but at any point in time, I might have 10 or 12 episodes in various points of production. So each mm. one of those gets a workflow. Workflow for episode 365, workflow for episode 366, and so forth. So now me, as the, the manager of the podcast department, or in this case, the, the host, I talk to another podcaster, or I go to a conference, I, I figure out some change that I want to make to my process. If you're in Monday or any project management software, so let, let me explain how it works in Flowster. In Flowster, I, I go, I pull up the master template, I click edit, I make whatever change to the content I want, and Flowster says, hey man, you got 10 active workflows associated with this template. Do you want me to just go and push the update out to all 10 of those? And I say yes, with a single click of my finger, boom, my entire team is now working on the latest, most current version of the workflow. But if you're in Monday or Asana or wherever, you have to do a copy and pasting safari of yep. all 10 of them and that sucks gotcha gotcha so specifically in flowster is this uh specific for amazon like the sops that you built out within there and do these sops come with it or do you have to build out your own sops excellent question and originally we created the sops 
for ourselves before Flowster existed. And for the first couple of years, we sold them for a one-time fee, and then we included Flowster at no extra charge. But as we have developed Flowster, we've created a lot more SOPs. Like we have hundreds of them in our template library, and they're not all to do with Amazon. They're all to do with e-commerce and, and any aspect of e-commerce you can think of from content marketing to advertising to SEO to like, there's all this stuff that applies to a lot of businesses and specifically to e-commerce. So now if you go sign up for Flowster, most of those templates are free. You just got to get the right subscription to Flowster and you can go into the marketplace and, oh, I want that one and I want that one and I want that one and that one and that one and that one. Now we do have some premium playbooks where you have to be maybe on the enterprise plan to get access to it. And we also have third party templates and third parties, much like on Amazon, they can charge whatever they want. So someone could come and create a bunch of SOPs in Flowster and say, I want to sell these things in the marketplace and I want to charge two grand. And if somebody wants to buy them, you get the, you get the two grand. So good for you. We get the software subscription. So it's, it's kind of a little bit of both depending upon who the author of the SOP content is. Gotcha. Gotcha. That totally makes sense. Trent, this is a super interesting discussion. I'm just thinking about, I'm like, oh, this, you're right. Like, so we use Monday for project management, but we also use it for process management. And not for much longer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've definitely seen, I've definitely seen that we've hit in all of our businesses. We're we're kind of hitting some roadblocks, right? When it comes to that, especially Mm -hmm. to tasks that we are trying to outsource. And we've used VAs for a long time, right? Like I'm talking to my VAs right now who are listening to this, you know? And so it's super, yeah, it's super interesting. I got to ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on the podcast, what is your secret to scaling? So we're honestly in the, in the process of figuring that out because our first customer cohort was these predominantly aspirational entrepreneurs who wanted to be on Amazon doing a reselling business like mine. And what I, and we sold lots at at the one time fee of 2,500 bucks. And it was very lucrative for us. But here's where the problem came in. When we decided that subscription revenue was more important for us than one-time revenue, I found that in that customer cohort, churn was too high because just the very nature of aspirational entrepreneurs, doesn't matter what business they're starting, 95% of them, they give up. Oh, it's too hard. I got to go watch TV. So we instead now are more focused on operational entrepreneurs. So the brands themselves or the agencies that serve those brands, they're already in business. They already have the problems that you just explained 60 seconds ago, and they already have the cash flow, and they're already accustomed to paying for software on an ongoing basis. So we're literally, as we speak, going through this product market fit exercise that every company goes through, every SaaS business goes through, and it takes anywhere from six months to two years to really nail your positioning so that now you're scaling your customer acquisition like crazy. Mm. So I wish I could say, oh, this thing is working really well for us right now. But I will tell you that content plays a big role. My Bright Ideas podcast plays a big role. We chop all that content up and we repurpose it all and spread it all over social media. And that builds an audience. And obviously a portion of those people come and try the software. Being on shows like this, I'm sure somebody in your audience is probably going to listen to this and think, yeah, that sounds cool. I'm going to go sign up for that. I do dedicated YouTube videos. We are just starting to experiment with some outbound marketing and some ad campaigns on Google. And obviously those things will get scaled out. And then we'll probably, uh, as cash flow allows, because I'm bootstrapping the thing, I'm not raising any money from investors, awesome. we'll end up hiring some people to you know, probably start being text writers and so forth and do the very typical things that most SaaS businesses do is content marketing, ads, and outbound. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I got three more questions for you here. I hope you are ready. Favorite, besides Flowster, favorite tool or app that Zapier. you're using right now? Zapier. Hands down. Reason? Because I'm an automation nerd, I want to do as little man clicking as possible. So I have, if you saw some of the zaps I've got, you'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> like one thing over here does seven things over here. I will bet you, yes, yes. Especially you being a processes guy, I, I, I get it. Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, because now. Uh, with the profits of my business, as we talked about beforehand, a couple of years ago, I started investing in real estate. And if you do it right, it can sure be lucrative. And the thing and it's, that it's I, kind of a fun thing to do. Like, like I said, I've gotten into it too. It's just like, it's just a different, it's a totally different mentality than the business world. Yeah, it's, it is. And, and the thing that I like about it in particular is I can't predict with certainty what's going to happen online for like 5, 10, 15 years out, but I know with certainty people are going to need a roof for yeah, the next 20, absolutely. 30, 40 years. <laughs> and so from a perspective of everything that I do online is so that I can buy more long-term assets that will generate passive income so I can be a lazy bastard and sit on my ass and watch the checks arrive in my mailbox. I mean, that's basically the purpose of my life. Aside from, you know, my family and all that kind of stuff, I'm trying to put myself in a position where, where work is completely optional just because I have so much mailbox money coming in that I don't need to lift a finger if I don't want to. Absolutely. I'm writing down bigger pockets. That's I've had that one recommended to me a few times. So yeah. One more question for you. If you could sit down with anybody for an hour, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, they have to be alive. Who would it be? Richard Branson, hands down. Cause he's a super cool dude has been crazy successful and he stayed married to the same woman the entire time and has kids that seemingly like him. That's awesome. I met him once and he was a, he was a very nice fellow. I would like to know the stats on that for billionaires. Like how yeah. many, how many are actually like that? You know, cause you look at like, you know, recently with Bill Gates, you're just like, uh, what you were supposed Boom. to be yeah, my right? solid rock bill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And maybe Richard is, is Bill Gates uh, two years from now. I don't know, but so far. so. I really good. hope not. I really hope <laughs> right. not. I like, I like that story. You know, I like that those kinds of lives where people are solid, you know, yeah. like it's yeah. Trent, I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, where can people find out more about you and more about Flowster? So for Flowster, just go to flowster.app. If they want to know more about me and the podcast and be able to get links to all my social places, just go to brightideas.co. I'm on every social media platform practically under the sun, so I'm not hard to find. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here and thanks everybody for listening. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.